This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. For a second, I was like, which podcast are we doing? (laughs) Oh no. Where am I? What am I doing? I had too much caffeine. I have a caffeine hangover. I hate when that happens. It's not even a hangover. You're just, you're still in it. You're like caffeine drunk. Caffeine drunk, which never really happens because I tend to not drink a lot of caffeine, but I had one extra cup this morning. And then I just had an a latte and it's noon and I'm not I'm not okay. <laughs> not, <laughs> not okay. okay. <laughs> I'm 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 drinking a hydration multiplier right now because Ooh. I'm like really I'm like maybe that will be maybe the right. hydration will multiply against the caffeine. Isn't that how that works? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that works. It will help <laughs> okay, your great. liver. Okay, great. <laughs> will it help this that's headache? How it works when you're when you accidentally get drunk. So it's gotta be the same thing with caffeine. Perfect. And I just had a peanut butter cup, which, you oh, know, sugar. The, yeah, the sugar. Good. Yeah. Good idea, Joy. <laughs> well, I needed to have an emergency snack because I was, I'm really hungry, but I'm like, oh, I got to jump on the podcast. You can't really chew. So I shoved a chocolate peanut butter cup in my mouth. I don't know you should have had, but I don't think it was that. Like, oh, what could man. you have had that would have been like, just, like, just nuts or something. Like, just oh, a big man. Of nuts. I just, I thought that was a good idea because I was like, I just need a lot of calories at, all at I once. I mean, true, but anyway. Because, oh, anyway, let's talk more about my... <laughs> food issues. Give the people what they want. Joy's caffeine, (laughs) imminent caffeine crash. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's uh, almost mid-October. Where are we? What are we doing today? We're recording on a Monday. It's Monday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And thank you for being here with us in the future on Thursday. We hope you're having a great week. You have some fun developments in your life, which we want to share. And in this podcast as a whole, We really are just going to spend a lot of time talking about work cultures, toxic work cultures, jobs, new jobs, old jobs, people's jobs, other people's jobs. Give that a lot of the time that it deserves because I feel like going through the last, you know, I don't even know how to say it anymore. The times that we're currently in and will be in for the foreseeable future. Right. It's no longer unprecedented. It's no longer unprecedented. This is the new normal, which I also hate that phrase. I feel like it's just changed the dynamic of our relationship to our work so much. And so many people, you know, are getting new jobs, quitting their jobs, going out on a limb without a job lined up. And it's shedding a lot of light on realizing that work, your work culture has maybe been very toxic or this, or maybe you have a story from long ago that didn't even have to include the pandemic. So we're going to talk about that today. Yes. So we'll start with good news. I got a new job and I'm very excited about it. So for those of you who may not know, I left my previous place of employment back in June, like early June. And it was a kind of sudden, unexpected, kind of expected turn. I took a lot of time to really evaluate what I wanted to do. And it was a little scary. I think there, you know, I've mentioned in previous episodes that I was in a in a place to do that. It was not something that I always think of Brene Brown or, or or Elizabeth Gilbert, where people would come up to her and be like, you inspired me to just like quit my life and go travel. And they're like, oh, that kind of scares me. Because not everyone can do that. There's just not the there's a little bit of like that 
head in the clouds mentality where it's just like, okay, realistically, what can you do? Like, we can't just all quit our jobs and go look for a better one. So I realized that I was in a position that that I could take some time and super grateful for that. But I I really took the past four and a half-ish months to decide what I wanted. Most of you know that I was working on the platform, and I still am. I'm closing out my caseload, but I went on the platform BetterHelp, which is an online telehealth platform for behavioral health therapy. It's a great, great platform if you are looking for therapy. I know there's tons of podcasts that are sponsored by them and they have a discount code. We do not, which we probably should by now, but uh, they're a great platform and I highly recommend them for therapy and telehealth. So I was I was working for BetterHelp since July and I realized that I really like working from home and I really like doing teletherapy. I was like, this is actually lovely and I do enjoy just waking up, rolling into my home office and doing telehealth. And the patient population is amazing. I started thinking more about doing a work from home job. Fast forward, I got a job with a company called Ginger Health. I didn't think much of it. Like the whole process of applying for jobs, we can talk about in a minute. Because Claire and I always talk about like how hard it is to go through the job hunting process and applying to jobs and I cannot tell you how many jobs I applied for where I got like the automatic rejection letter where I'm pretty sure they don't even look at your resume. And as a side note, I have not had to really look for a job since I started my professional career. My first job out of grad school was a friend recommendation referral. My second job from there was a recommendation like friend referral. So this is really kind of the first time I've had, I know people are probably like, oh, boo hoo. But truly, I've been lucky in that like most of my jobs have been friend referrals, like, oh, we have this opening, you should apply type of thing. This was really the first time, you know, I'm 44 years old, looking for jobs, getting on LinkedIn, making sure your profile's all fancy and doing all the recommended, recommended things you're supposed to do when you're job hunting, just feeling like I was beat down by the process. And I know a lot of people have been through that as well. So my heart goes out to all of us kind of like in the trenches looking for jobs in that sense. But I applied to so many jobs, got so many rejections, did some interviews, liked some companies, didn't like others, really truly tried to stay true to what I knew was a fit or not a fit. And there were a couple of jobs I interviewed for that I was just like, I can tell this is like not something I would want to do or I just not vibing with them. Well, when I applied to this job, I remember thinking, not thinking much of it, which is kind of how it always works, right? Where you're like the least attached to something. And so I interviewed with them, really liked the vibe, really liked the company. They have just an amazing culture from what I can tell. I uh, sought out a few people on LinkedIn who already worked there and just kind of talked to them about what it's like to be a therapist there. So I start the end of November for Ginger Health and they were recently acquired by Headspace Health or Headspace. And so Headspace is moving into the telehealth realm, which is really exciting too. So I'm kind of in this emerging telehealth world that's growing and growing and growing, and that feels really exciting. So I will be a full-time therapist for Ginger Health, soon to be Headspace Health, and I am super jazzed. And it's like exactly what I need right now. So explain though the difference between what you will be doing and like a better help. Because when you first explained it to me, I, it sounded to me like, wait a minute, this sounds like the same thing, just more. Yeah. So I'll be on, I'll be on, I'll be on a, I will be working for a company as opposed to contracting. So better help therapists are contract only, meaning you get no benefits. Actually, I should, I should back up. Like if you work a certain amount of hours with better help, you get some benefits, like you're eligible for some of the workplace benefits, uh, health insurance mainly, but that's really it. And they don't, 
consider you as an employee. You were just a contractor, which is great if you have a private practice, because then you can kind of like work, you have a, a, bun- a bunch of different hands in the pots. You know, you don't have to have, you're just working for this one company. But I really wanted to work for a company. I was pretty clear on like, I didn't want to do private practice. I wanted to work for a company where I was on salary and that I had a full benefits package. Ginger has amazing benefits. And so there was a bunch of things that I wanted from an employer that I just didn't want to keep doing contract work. So that is the main difference is I will be on staff with this company having, you know, the whole benefit of like clinical supervision with your teammates. I didn't get that at BetterHelp. So you kind of feel a little bit lonely where you're, if you have a clinical question, you just are kind of on your own or you ask your therapist clinical friends about it. But this is a little bit more of like that team culture, you're actually working for a company again. So that's really the main difference. And it's not like an app where anybody off the street can just sign up and not right now, not right now, mainly with Ginger. And I don't know enough yet, obviously, because I haven't started with them. But Ginger is mainly their clientele are big companies that use them for EAP services. So at the moment, that's what the clientele is that it's not open to the public. But my hunch is it might be changing if Headspaces has acquired them that that who knows what the future will look like with that. But still telehealth, still full time therapy, which is what you know, I'm, I'm used to doing, but I just haven't done that in the telehealth space. Uh, so very similar to what I was doing at BetterHelp, but just more of a company culture feel. Yep. Well, that's very exciting. And I think it's also good, again, to reiterate what you said about those four and a half months that you were kind of figuring out what you wanted to do that that didn't look like, you know, just reading tarot cards and doing vision boards all day. It was very, you know, a lot of applications, a lot of being turned down, a lot of not even hearing back at all. I think that when you're in the job search, it's so it can be so soul sucking and it really can feel so rejecting and you can just feel like somebody just like let me do my thing like why doesn't anybody want me? Why does why you know why is <laughs> I'm my a catch. not yeah. good enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm amazing. Where are these people? Like why can't I even get an interview? Or I've been in this situation a lot where it's like I get to that final round and I you know it I I feel like in my past it's like always between me and one other person. And I'm like, don't tell me that. Don't tell me it's between me and one other person. Like I'd rather, I'd almost rather get screened out at the beginning rather than make it to the final round and then not get the offer. Yes. And so yes, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's brutal. And I know a lot of people are going through that right now. And I was talking to somebody the other day who was asking me, you know, what's the deal with this like great recession in your industry? Like, are you seeing that in your industry? Asking me, like, am I seeing that in my industry? And what I was saying was like, so you guys know I'm in marketing. I have, you know, 10, 11 years marketing experience and throughout a lot of the, and I work for a large corporation and I've always worked for larger corporations for the most part throughout what I'm seeing in a lot of larger companies is that what's happening is middle and senior middle, like senior managers and senior manager level people are quitting thinking I'm, you know, because they're not getting paid enough or there's no room for advancement because the pandemic changed things or, you know, whatever the case may be, or they're realizing like whatever their priorities are shifting, they want something new, whatever the reason is. And instead of replacing those people, apples to apples, the company is saying, okay, instead of replacing this senior manager, we're going to just hire two coordinators and we're going to, you know, 
we're potentially not even going to promote anyone into that senior manager role. It's just like gone now. And instead this team now just is like a larger team with more entry level or like very early, you know, low, lower level employees. And so there's this bottleneck happening where there is this like huge need for entry level. And I would say, you know, less than three or five years of experience type of employees But then the people who are looking are more in like the eight, maybe seven to 10 plus years experience level. And a lot of those positions are being eliminated. And it's just really interesting. I mean, that's at least what I'm seeing in like the corporate marketing world. So it's very complicated, but you know, you're hearing so many people and it feels like these two disparate worlds of on the one hand, you hear these headlines of like, there's this huge worker shortage. And on the other hand, you're talking to your friends who are like, I can't find a job. And at least in marketing and corporate, corporate America, that's what's happening. It's very frustrating and weird. Yeah, I I found something similar with well, and a couple things too. Where when I first started applying, I just was throwing my hat everywhere that I thought was interesting, and I tried to just be very open minded. At the same time, being picky, but you can't be super picky because you just never know after applying to something that you're like, oh, actually, this is a job I would really enjoy. But I think what I expected, because Scott is in a field where, I mean, he gets job offers day in and day out. He's just in a very different field where they are constantly offering him jobs because he uh, works with a lot of different companies and they really like him. So I joked because I was like, well, you have constant job offers and here I am just like trying so hard to even just get a response. (laughs) It's maddening. I have said this so many times. Brandon, who could literally kill someone at any moment at his job, he works, he's a surgical nurse. Like his job responsibilities are significantly more technical, significantly more black and white than mine. Like, right. We all understand the gravity of the situation when you're in the room while someone's having surgery and like you're in charge of getting the right materials and like the supplies out and making sure things are going well. So he's recently started a new job. When he went to go apply for jobs, he applied to two jobs on Indeed, just cold applied, got two calls back, two interviews, and two on the job or on the spot job offers, like practically on the spot. Like later that day, they called him back and were like, yeah. "Don't offer you the job." And I was like, "Yep, this is not real." It's just, just yeah, it's a, it's, it's a little maddening. And there are definitely days where I was bitter. I look back on these four and a half months, and I had some pretty dark days that I will share with you in a mere moment. But I, you know, just kind of like for advice for people who may be looking for a job from what I've, and please chime in and share your advice. We'd love to hear it. We'll post about it. But I think the, like the main points that I learned is LinkedIn was my best friend, really thought LinkedIn was way better for searching for jobs. Uh, User-friendly indeed is a little bit harder and Glassdoor and ZipRecruiter a little bit harder to use, like filtering out what you really, really want. If you're specific, if you know what you're looking for, I think LinkedIn is great for that. Really, really focus on making sure that your resume is not going to get kicked out of those automated application systems. So do some Google research around what keywords that you need to use, the length of your resume. If it's too long, it will automatically get kicked out of those automated resume systems. And so some larger corporations use that to just weed people out right away. So if they get hundreds of applications, you may not even just get, you may not even get through because of that. So that's really important to research and look into And I had a bunch of people looking over my resume and refining it and editing it. So make sure that you're doing that. That was when I was getting really defeated is when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all this and I'm still getting those like auto-generated emails. But the other thing 
that Scott and I talked about. And I had a meltdown one day in Whole Foods. It was like the end of August. I had hit like the three month mark of searching, searching, searching. And at the same time, I'm trying to be mindful of taking a break. But I'm also searching. Like my my full-time job in the past four months has been looking for a job. I have just been, I mean, my days would be packed full. I'd see telehealth patients. And then in between that, I'd be looking for jobs, applying to jobs, walk the dogs, take a break, see a patient, apply for jobs. But, you know, before I knew it was the end of the day, it's like, oh my gosh, like time really does fly, even though you're unemployed. Because I really made it my mission to just really, really look for a job and make sure that I was just doing that all the time. And I just felt that pressure too, you know, but I was also trying to be like, all right, Joy, also just like chill out and try to take a break. So it was a, it was a balance, but I figured it out. But I think that I also realized like, you know, after three months, I I just started to get worried because I wasn't, I felt like I was making some progress, but it wasn't feeling like enough or I didn't have as like, like as many leads. Forward, 99 steps back. Yeah. Like, or like so you, far and then just nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'd had some interviews, but I didn't like the companies or vice versa. I just wasn't a fit. The other thing too is like, hey, companies, can you just, if you interview someone and you know you're not going to hire them, can you just immediately send them a letter and say, no, oh thank you? Just, yeah. Don't make us track you down. Oh my God. There was one that I'm not going to say who it was, but I was just like, they completely ghosted me after I interviewed with them. It's one thing to just like say no thank you after you submit a resume. Most people don't even send you an email saying no thank you uh, when you submit a resume. But this team of people interviewed me and just ghosted me, heard nothing Finally, last week, this was probably three months ago, two and a half months ago, when I interviewed with them. Finally, last week, I get an email saying you were not chosen for the position. I want to be like, duh, (laughs) duh. Like, please just be timely with that. It's so, so unprofessional. Anyway, so, you know, end of August hits and I'm just like, I think I was just in a emotional space. There was a lot going on in my life. And I feel like I went to Whole Foods with Scott one day. (laughs) I just, I don't know what it was. But I, I got into Whole Foods and all I could think was like, you know how when we had that converse, conversation with Sheree Chan where she was like, my goal in life is just to go buy groceries and not have to worry about it. Like, that's really kind of like what I truly just love about life right now is I'm like, I could just go somewhere and buy groceries and not worry about like what I'm buying. And I was in Whole Foods and I had this panic of like, what if I'm, what if I don't find a job and I'm going to have to start worrying about what I buy? This is so silly, guys. I know. But like, this is where I was. What if I have to start worrying about what I buy at the grocery store because I'm going to like run out of my savings? And so I just like freeze. Scott is like, hey, I'm going to run downstairs. There's a liquor store at Belmar that we always go to. And he's like, I'm going to meet you down. I'll meet you at the car. I'm like, okay. And I just kind of go catatonic where I can't process anything. (laughs) And I'm walking around the store and nothing. I'm like, I can't. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want to buy. And I just end up leaving, going and sitting in the car, and I just start crying. And <laughs> I'm bawling my eyes out, just like have this full on meltdown. And Scott walks in and he's, or he gets in the car and he looks at me and I'm bawling. He's like, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> like the 
last time he saw me, I was fine. And so I leave you alone for 30 seconds. Do you have an existential crisis? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just so and the other thing too, was this, this grocery store, this Whole Foods was next to where I used to work at the vaccine clinic. And so I'd always go to the lunch there. And so it just for whatever reason, too, I just all of a sudden got really angry and mad for the reasons that I was I had left. And so I was just like, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. And I was just emotional. And he's like, uh, he didn't know what to do with me. But I think the bottom line is like, I got over it, right? Like the next day was fine. I just needed to cry. But Scott was like, well, why don't you start applying? Because I also was looking for a lot of jobs that were like management level, because I've been I've been doing that for a long time. And also what I realized about management roles is people tend to hire from within. They tend to promote from within for those roles, which makes a lot of sense, especially like coming in as a new manager from outside is not always the easiest thing. So I think that that was something that I had to kind of, then I just kind of course corrected where I'm like, oh, I'm going to apply for jobs that maybe are therapist positions where potentially I could move into management if I even want to. And then so I kind of changed my course. But I think the whole point of that is, is like, I, I also kept the mantra that's like, it will happen. Someone eventually will hire you. It's just like, it's kind of like dating. Eventually, you will find the one. It's so much like dating. It's where so you're like waiting for someone like to call. You're like, do you like me? And it's just, it, you know, the rejection and thing. Like, and-, and like, do you like when you want to get an answer, you're like, but I don't want to appear needy. Like, I don't totally. want them to think that I like don't have anything it's such else a going game. on. It's such, it's so much like dating. It's such a game. Yeah. So. I'm really grateful that I went through that experience. Honestly, I can look back and be like, I do feel pretty grateful. And I I almost want to just kind of stay abreast of what's going on in the job market. I learned a lot from figuring out what is out there. So I think that that's something I just want to kind of keep looking at or just keep reading about which jobs are out there. Because I think that's really important. Just because you have a job doesn't mean that you can just like forget about all that stuff. And I'm not planning my next move by any means because I have a next move. But I think that that was something that I learned, like the value of just seeing where the job market is and what positions are out there. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting journey. And I all I like always knew and just from people giving me encouragement, I always knew that I'd find another job. I knew that. And if things are desperate, of course, I could just keep doing telehealth. I was trying not to do that full time because I knew that I was just also trying to do my best to not like overwork and enjoy my time out of the workspace, like the full-time workspace, which I completely have. I like my tagline for anyone who knows me, who's close to me, anytime they'd be like, how are you? I'm like, I'm living my best life. I am having such a good time being home with my dogs, doing telehealth on my terms, and just going to the neighbor's house every day to play with the dogs. Like that was just, and it's, I still feel like I'm going to have someone of that balance. So if anyone has jobs, hunting tips to share, just email us because I think that that's also something that a lot of people can relate to and we can share them. So like we were saying before, there's a lot of reasons that you might, that one may, might look for a job. And one thing we wanted to talk about also today is toxic workplace culture. We asked for people's questions, people's advice, um, people's stories. We got a lot. I think the ma- the biggest theme I'm seeing, we'll read a lot of the individual ones. And the biggest theme that I'm seeing so far is the fact that if you are in a difficult work environment, it really can impact your entire life. And it can impact your life for years to come, even after you get out of that job. I feel like there is so much gaslighting that happens in workplace culture 
And that's another big thing I'm seeing is people who, when they go to ask for something or, you know, want to raise or ask for a promotion or even just ask, you know, to leave a little bit early or, you know, need something, need anything from their employer, they are really given this response of like, well, aren't you just happy to be here? Don't you like your job? Like, or they're made, or if they ask for help with a problem, they're made to be made to feel like the problem is their fault. There's just so much where things are not a reciprocal relationship between somebody who's like working really hard, wanting to do well, wanting to move on to that next level. And then when the time comes for that to happen, the employer turns around and is like, well, what are you talking about? Why would you ever think that we would do that? It's just so toxic and gaslighty. So I also just want to briefly say that because it reminds me of the of a conversation the first episode that I had on Girls Gone Wad feed when we did the relaunch with JK is around the ability to even do this. And I want to reiterate the importance of like, this is just not a toxic positivity girl boss statement of just being like, just leave your job. And it's just, you know, if you don't like your job, your place of employment, just leave. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's just bringing awareness that you're not crazy, that you're not the one that is the problem, that sometimes the system is really messed up and you may not be able to leave. So what can you do to make the most most of a, of a bad situation while also possibly like looking for other jobs? So like, I want to recognize that too, that we're not doing the whole girl boss, live your dream life, because I don't think that most of us are in positions that we cannot just up and leave bad situations. Totally. And that is the also a theme I'm seeing a lot of these, these emails of like, I was, I knew this was toxic and I didn't have, like, I can't, I couldn't leave. Whether it was, you know, financially, I wasn't able to look for another job. I was on a contract and I couldn't leave without being penalized. You know, I think we covered earlier in the summer the situation where, like, sometimes if you are new in a career path or there are certain career paths out there where there these sort of like grunt jobs exist that you have to get through, right? Which is stupid and toxic. And, you know, but it, it not, like just because we think it's stupid and toxic doesn't mean that that's not the reality for a lot of career right. paths. The first email we got was very similar to what I'm talking about now, where this person says, I just left a very toxic workplace three months ago after working there for five years. When I look back on it, it's the classic unhealthy relationship story. Love at first sight, red flags that I ignored, slowly realizing how bad it was, and then figuring out how to how the hell to get out. The first year was great. I felt like it was where I'd always wanted to be and saw myself there for years to come. The next two years were when the red flags really came out, but I just figured that it was part of any business, different personalities and perspectives. During year three, I completed all of the requirements for a license that I had been working towards since I graduated and expected a promotion or recognition. I did get more responsibilities, but no extra compensation. Another big theme. My boss also started to critique everything and treated me like a child. I was a salaried worker, but if I left even a few minutes before five, I was yelled at in front of the rest of the staff. When I came back from maternity leave, I was bombarded with paperwork, a lot of it past due, and felt like I was being punished for taking time off. One month prior to leaving, I had my yearly evaluation and asked for a raise. I was told that it couldn't be done right now, so I immediately started looking for a new job. When I handed in my resignation, I was yelled at and told that it was disrespectful for me to only put in two weeks' notice and that someone in my position should have given a month because of the workload that I had. I was also told I should have talked to her first, and she thought we were, quote, friends, and I owed her more than that. She did not speak to me or look at me after I gave my notice and would give me messages through others. I didn't realize how much it affected my mental health until about a month after leaving when I got super upset and anxious because I needed to leave my new job about 15 minutes early and was so scared to tell my new boss as though he would surely get upset. He didn't. I'm just getting adjusted there. and I'm so much happier. I feel like that is so, that's such a common thread of stories. And also the thing with the boss being like, 
getting mad when you resign. <gasps> Huge red flag. Oh, it's so gosh. common. Yeah. Well, the okay. So the thing that, and I'm speaking from my personal experience too, is when when I started to kind of notice some patterns that were just like, hmm, this feels a little off. I really tried my best to put as much energy as I could into giving coworkers, people around me, information about like joy in the workplace. I was always an advocate for creating a healthy workplace and what that looked like. And I think someone mentioned this too in one of the comments as far as like, hey, realize whether or not you're you're a part of the problem or if you're just complaining all the time, don't play the victim. Like I, I completely get that too, where are you just kind of constantly complaining or are you trying to figure out some part of like a solution in the workspace? I, I get that. But at the end of the day, after two plus years of really what I what I felt like I was screaming into a void, I would send out and this is where like, please tell me like as an outsider, if you feel like, well, Joy, that's not realistic, because I need to check myself too. But I would send out articles, I would send out podcast episodes, I would send out all this stuff about like, hey, this is we really need to incorporate this into our management team, because this actually research actually shows, you know, I'd listen to Adam Grant work life all the time. Research actually shows that workers will be happier, and you'll be more productive if you do these things as a management team. And I would get crickets, crickets, nothing, nada. No one would respond. No one would be like, great idea. And granted, I didn't have like a ton of power, but I also feel like, don't you, does no one care about like, right, like why am I here if you aren't going to take any of my advice? It, and, and I, it starts to feel like, oh, Joy's just the Pollyanna, let's pat her on the head and whatever. But I think that that is, there's only so much of that that your soul can take before then you just have to make a decision, right? So the piece of trying, it's not to say that like jump the second, you know, jump ship the second things get bad, but how much energy you put towards how much of this can I can control or at least influence versus I have zero influence. I have tried my best to influence this culture. It has not changed one bit. So therefore, I get to decide now what my next steps are. And one person wrote in and said, is it possible to mistake toxic work for a miscommunication because of ADHD? Or I think you could, you know, spin that into any type of I don't even know if you would need like a diagnosis. But you know, there's just so many different ways of communicating. And I think that that what you're saying and to answer this person and those questions of kind of perception, it's the answer is perception is reality. You know, if you feel like you're being overlooked, if you feel like you are in a toxic place, if you feel like you're being, you, you know, your desires aren't being taken seriously or you're not being given the opportunities that you're asking for or that, um, you know, you are constantly asking for help and not getting it or whatever the case may be then that's the reality. If you feel that way, then that's how it is. You don't have to go out and seek out all this external evidence. Perception is reality. And if you feel overlooked, then you're, then that's all you, that's, that's it. That's the end. Right. That is your experience. And I, I think there's, I mean, again, a lot of times where you have to talk to your supervisor or talk to coworkers or try to say, Hey, here's, here's something that I'm noticing. Help me understand. Let's go to JK's podcast. Help me understand. Be curious. Never assume all the things that you do in a workplace where you just try to get more information. And then if you get all the information, you still feel like you're overlooked or that you're not 
happy. And I have a weird feeling about like being happy at work. I think there's way more nuance to that than what it just sounds like, which is a whole different discussion. But I think that if you feel like you've done everything you can and you your values are that you want to grow in a workplace and that you want to feel supported and heard and that you're not getting your needs met there, then yeah, maybe it's time to look elsewhere. But everyone is different too. Some people just want to show up to work. They want to put their head down. They want to get their job done and they want to leave and they don't, they don't pay attention to all of that stuff. So this is not just like a generalized experience either. No, but I think, you know, what I'm trying to say is like, if you feel like you aren't getting XYZ need met, whether that's interpersonal communication, whether that's opportunities for advancement, whether that's opportunities for a raise, whether that's, you know, whatever the case may be, if you feel like that needs not getting met, you don't have to break your back trying to prove to yourself that you're right. And that, you know, you don't have to stick it out just because other people tell you like, well, you should just be grateful that, you know, my, like my manager doesn't even let me work from home, you know, whatever it is, like you can play that, that, um, comparison game all day long. But I think that there's so many situations in jobs where we tell ourselves like, this isn't that big of a deal. I should just be grateful or, you know, it like, yes, it's important to kind of fact check and gut check, not fact check, gut check (laughs) with the people around you that you trust. But at the end of the day, like you don't need this mounting pile of evidence before you can start looking for another job. If you feel like this is not a supportive place that you want to be. And you can also just tell yourself like, and we talked about this with leaving other types of relationships this year too. Like you don't have to wait for it to get so bad that you're crying in your car before you go into work or that all you can think about Mm -hmm. is whether or not to leave your job. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we're also kind of talking more about the difference between toxic workplaces and just general workplace headaches, which is just going to, well, workplace headaches too is just going to be, it's going to happen. But is it where you're leaving every day crying or fantasizing about leaving or finding a different job? I mean, that's information that you want to pay attention to. The other purpose of us having this conversation is to validate your feelings, especially as women, because I think there's a lot of us that tend to explain it away or feel like we just have to put up with it or feel like that we just have to take it and then we just grit our teeth and move through it. And especially that there tends to be more males in power above us that that will really influence our decisions too, of just like, oh, we're being too emotional or we're whatever, fill in the blank. So this is an important discussion to just talk about the realities of it, of how other people handled it. Validate that if you're struggling with this too, you can always make next moves and and look for other jobs, obviously, while you're in a job. It doesn't mean that you're jumping ship and just being like, hey, everybody, quit your job and leave. Okay. So on that note, another one of the emails, somebody was kind of saying like, I I, she says, one thing I continually ran into, which I'm still trying to understand if it was really something on my end that I needed to do better at, or if it was toxic, was related to career growth. I was in my mid to late 20s while I worked there, and I had hoped to have guidance from my manager on how to advance to the next level. Whenever I'd bring it up or ask for help with areas of improvement, I was told that it was my responsibility to come up with this plan and then manage my manager to get there. I tried this on numerous occasions only to receive, only to not receive advancements. And when I'd express my frustration, I was met with no constructive feedback. It was very frustrating and may have just been a bad manager experience. But I know of many other employees on other teams that had similar experiences of having to manage themselves and struggle to come up with a growth plan without any guidance. Due to this, most people ended up leaving when they realized advancements was not a priority. Is that a bad workplace or is that just greener employees needing to learn how to take control of their career? 
Like, yeah, that's a great question. And also, if you're a greener employee who needs more guidance, then that's not a good fit for you. So we have a lot of folks who, you know, wrote in on Instagram, somebody's dealing with male favoritism on a team that she's been on for 10 years in finance. You know, again, like I'm when working in marketing, it's pretty even split between women and men on my teams. Um, and, but I can imagine, you know, being in a field like finance or somewhere else that is a little bit typically more male dominated, you have a whole other host of problems. People being asked or expected to work wildly outside of working hours, always a red flag. Somebody and I feel so, I like really feel for this person. My boss is toxic and management is just waiting for him to retire. Everyone else is leaving and I can't leave. Yeah, that's very real. That's very real. Like, so how do you, how do you get through that? How do you get through that? Honestly, in those instances, you lean, if there's people at work that you can lean on that are positive influences and that you can limit your interactions with the people that really drain you. That is something that helped me is I would really stick to the people that energized me and tried to do as little, I don't know, interactions with the vampires who just like literally suck the energy out of you. But it's hard because like I said before, this is not just an easy fix. I think it's mostly recognizing when you're in it and then saying, all right, so here's my reality, but how can I work through it if I can't leave? This person, the person who wrote that, we happen to know her and I happen to know that she also has young kids. And so like, then you also have all of this stacked on top where, you know, work, like you're also depleted in other areas of your life. And it's also so easy to isolate the toxic workplace conversation without considering other areas of your life. Like I've had jobs where if I had maybe not had young kids or, you know, that my one sort of toxic job that I refer to a lot, if I hadn't been in a situation where Brandon was in nursing school and had like no, you know, no bandwidth to do anything. And Miles was really, hadn't been really young and we hadn't been, you know, in this financial situation that we were in, like my job might have not felt so toxic because I could have had other areas of my life where I could have gotten more support or felt just more space to unwind or relax. But the fact that the rest of my life was also very stressful meant that a really stressful workplace just made it, you know, I just didn't have any extra resources to put towards quote unquote self-care or, you know, like trying to manage my stress elsewhere. Was that the same time that you were going through postpartum depression? Was that before or after? It was like right after. Like I was like coming out of depression when I started that job. The toxic so I, job. The toxic job. So yeah, like yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. So I had like just come off of a like eight, nine months of like super that's, hardcore mental Yeah, health. and that's pretty freaking draining. You don't just like yeah. get over no. it, you know? <laughs> like and honestly, yeah, I feel like, I mean, as as anyone who's gone through depression, depressive phases of their life knows, it's not like the switch just flips off one day. It's just like one day you wake up and realize that like, it's been a while since you felt that way. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other episode. And it's not like it, 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 the way that it sounds too, which it's not, is like, you're not like like bouncing around in a field of, field of roses either after it's over. You're like, no, you're like oh, God, I just that was went. so tiring. Yes. You're like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read another one really quick that came in uh, in messages. It uh, says, perfect timing. Friday was my last day in the corporate world of two plus years. I didn't get paid enough to continue living in California. So while we were working from home, I moved back to Colorado for my bank account, my mental health, 
and my relationship. That's real. A couple months ago, upper management decided I couldn't work from home full time, even though that's what we've been doing since March 2020. And other people have been doing it for longer. I think it's all for the best, though. The job was stressing me out and had been for a while. There's a big generational gap between old school upper management and the younger generation who actually work. Red flags, call employees, team members, everyone at the company that doesn't have a family living with roommates because they can't afford rent. Even my boss's boss, who's been at the company 10 years, had to buy a house with her sister. Boss sending message after hours and during the weekend and much more. Is there any corporate job that isn't like that? And I really want to know that as well. I, I was talking to a good friend right after I left my job. And she was like, you know, Joy, I've yet to see, I think I've said this in a previous episode, but she's like, I've yet to see you either drink the Kool-Aid and you just kind of become one of those Stepford people <laughs> or you get out of that altogether because she's like, I've yet to see it in any corporate culture where it is done well. And that's unfortunate because I think there could be such a good shift and change in people's mental health and employee retention, all of the things that Adam Grant studies for crying out loud, uh, which drive me crazy because I'm like, why don't employers watch that research? But anyway, that's another tangent. But I think that it's hard because what she mentioned about the generational gap uh, old school upper management will not die. And it's, I've yet to see it. Not die. literally die, you guys. Not literally. We're right. not wishing death we're, on a bunch yeah, of Yeah, let's not. We're not nine to five here. <laughs> Working nine to five. So yeah. I think that that's true. And something I have experienced personally is that if you kind of have to come in guns blazing and say, I won't do that. Like if you email me outside of work hours, I mean, I have two phones and everyone's always like, why do you have two phones? Like, don't you know work will pay for your phone? Like, yeah, but I have my personal phone and I have my work phone and neither, like never the twain shall meet. I, you know, after five o'clock, I put my work phone away and I don't pick it back up till 9 a.m. the next morning. Sometimes there's maybe 30 to 60 minutes of wiggle room on either side of those deadlines if I'm in the middle of something and waiting for a reply. But I don't pick up my phone. I turn off my phone on the weekends. Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to get a hold of me. And if something if there is an extraneous circumstance, then I can discuss that ahead of time and say, okay, this is, you know, of course those are going to happen every once in a while and that's fine. I'm willing to do that if it's pre-communicated mm-hmm. and it's once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. And so that has been me, you know, coming in and saying, you can email me anytime you want. That's your decision. You know, if you want to email me at seven o'clock at night, that's fine. Maybe that's because, you know, you have kids and you had to leave early and go pick your kids up from school. And this is when you're able to get to my email. That's, that's your prerogative. My prerogative is that I'm not going to see that email until nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had to learn that the hard way from a previous job where I would be getting calls at five in the morning, eight at night, you know, these questions. And the second that I started saying, no, I'm not going to answer your calls anymore. It was like, oh, okay, well then I just won't call you at that time. Like it was, it felt so scary and it, turned out to be like this pretty straightforward fix of just saying like, Hey, I don't start working until nine. I'll get back to you at that time. Mm-hmm. And it, and I mean, you have to like be willing to own that and own the fallout from that. And I'm the type of person, like I have pretty thick skin. So I know that that it would be so scary for most people that it would almost cause more stress than mm-hmm. it does to just answer the email. But I think that's important because I think about kind of my experience too. And there was this weird culture that started to develop where it was like, who could be the most I'm going to use an unprofessional term like ass kissy. (laughs) 
and be the shining star and the, you know, I guess the, the best, the, per- the gold star person. And it was just kind of like, why are we competing? And what is that about? It felt very, very high school. It felt Mean Girls. It was 1000% Mean Girls. And which is unfortunate because you have all this talent, you have a lot of talented people, and it is just going down the drain because of poor management. And that's, I, that happens everywhere. And I think it's just really unfortunate because it, again, play retention, all the things I just mentioned, but that is something that when you start to all of a sudden see that, then you think that you have to participate in that culture because you have to just be, you have to keep up with everybody instead of drawing boundaries and saying, well, I'm not going to check emails on the weekends or take calls on the weekends. Then it's like, well, so-and-so, so-and-so is doing it. And so then they look like the the good per- anyway. It's it's so crazy. It's crazy well, making. I, I mean, I have a coworker like that right now who will answer your ten o'clock email, and I'm like, good for her. And one day, if a promotion comes down the line and they pick her over me because she'll pick because she'll do the ten o'clock ten p.m. email, then let her have it because if that's what is required to move up in this I business, no then part I of it. don't want it. Yeah, I want no part. And of you that. have to be willing to own that. Because yeah, that's hard. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also like part of the job interview process. If you do go into it, you know, decide if you're in a job that feels toxic and you decide you want to look around and you get into an interview process, you have to be willing to ask, how do you encourage work-life balance in your employees? And you have to like listen for an authentic answer. And you have to be able to ask other people who work there, what happens if you get an email at eight o'clock at night? What's the expectation? Or what happens if you get a call at six in the morning? What's the expectation? And you have to be, to you know, be really listening for the real answer. And you have to be willing to walk away before you even get in the door if it feels like that's not going to be aligned with what you want. And hey, if you want to work weird hours, then that's your that's great. Good. You know, then you can Good do Anya. that. Yeah. Good Anya. And, you know, I feel like, like I have had conversations where someone will say, oh, we have great PTO here. And I'm like, I don't need two weeks to go to Mexico. I need to be able to leave for an hour in the middle of the afternoon to go get my kid, to pick my kid up from school. Flexibility. Yeah. Right. right. I don't need to be able to like, I need to go to go Mexico. backpack around Europe. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need two weeks to go to Mexico. I just think that's funny. Cause it's like, yeah, it's true. You yeah. just need to be able to care for your right. family I need and to, drop like, things when you need to pick up your child. Yeah, exactly. Like I need it to not be weird. If like, I don't answer your three o'clock email until four o'clock because I was like out picking up my kid a couple days a week. And that those jobs do exist. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding them and being willing to have the consequences of holding those boundaries because there might be consequences. And, you know, the toxic job that I've always referred to that I left, I one day looked at my boss and realized, like, I don't want her life, you know, and that to me was the moment where I really knew that I was done. And yeah, to look I remember at upper that. management and say, like, I don't want to make the sacrifices that it will take to get there. I don't want that lifestyle. I don't want to be checking my email. Yeah. You know, one thing to have so much work that you can't finish and like maybe you want you want to work and get a little bit ahead in the evening. We've all had those phases. Of course. But if that's the expectation, that's a different story. Yeah. That's a good point. That I I was very much in that mind space too, where I'm like, if this is how they're gonna operate and this is how they're gonna treat people, treat professional, smart people. I want no part of this. No part of it. Again, very sad, but I, I had to take a really good hard look and say, no, thank you. Oh, if, if this is how they're going to treat people, I'm out. I mean, it's I, like that, that, is it Oprah, Maya Angelou, who said this quote? 
when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. I want to say it's Maya. Angelou. I think it might have yeah, Maya mm-hmm. and then Oprah. And Oprah probably. says it all the time because Maya said, time. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And great. it's like that is also true about corporate cultures. Believe your business when they show you who they are the first time. Believe the culture that they have, not the culture that they want to pretend that they have. If somebody, if you know, I went into that toxic job that I always talk about, I went into it. And everyone I went, every before I started working there, every single person was like, wow, I used to know someone who worked there and they only worked there for a year. Really high turnover, famous for high turnover. And I was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Read, 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 read. Careful. Really quick, I want to just point out the things that I've already noticed. And I there's no like perfect workplace, of course, but what I've noticed that's wildly different from Ginger already, the places, the place that I'm going to be working is every single person I've talked to up to this point is a person of color. So I'm like, great. They hire a diverse staff. And I've gotten lip service on that in the past where they're like, yes, we need to, we do, we need to hire a more diverse staff, but they never do it. So that was like thing one was I'm like, great. They're walking the walk in terms of making sure that they are hiring a diverse pool of people. They immediately talked about work-life balance in a way that was a, again, walk the talk, where they give you mental health days every month. They have a very flexible PTO schedule where you don't have to have like seniority, uh, which I know a lot of more startup type of companies do that. But the managers that I talked to specifically gave me examples of working with their staff to undo the damage that they have seen at previous work work cultures, meaning, hey, I've had to talk to some of my staff members when they were sick and trying to push through working while they were sick or encouraging them to take more time off, even though they had just taken some time off and trying to undo that. We have to work all the time and I can't take this day off because I just took this day off. Like those specific examples of just actually saying, I recognize that we are different in how we operate and that's going to take some time to get used to was already a positive in my mind where I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to have a hard time getting used to this because I came from such a different environment. But those are the things that I'm already noticing that are like, this is why I want to work here. So last, let's end with communication style really quick, because I don't want to also just make this all about like, hey, if you're unhappy, leave. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, so what else maybe is a nuance that could come into play here? Like, Maybe you do need to sit down and say, hey, I've noticed some things that aren't working here. Like, what are some things that you feel like people could do to maybe communicate or bring this to light and maybe make some changes? What do you think? I mean, the biggest thing I think is boundaries. And I think those are so hard to do retroactively. Like once you've been in a situation already for months or years where people around you have been you know, emailing you, calling you at all hours of the day, expecting things from you that aren't part of your job, that are wildly not part of your job. You know, these things that once in a while are okay, but if they're regular parts of your day really can lead to getting burnt out is setting really hard boundaries around those and having the conversations with folks in order to put those into place and not making it feel personal to them. Like, you know, going to them and saying, hey, maybe this is a conversation with your manager. Maybe it's with your coworkers. Maybe it's with all of the above and saying, hey, I've been feeling overworked lately and maybe overworked is the wrong word, but you know, 
I've been feeling fill in the blank, overworked, burnt out. I'm feeling like I'm heading towards burnout and I don't want to get there. And so I'm going to start creating some clearer boundaries around my work hours. And I'd like you to not expect to hear from me outside of the hours of nine to five, unless there's an emergency. That to me is the biggest thing that you can do. And then how that is, how that's received will tell you a lot, I think, about, you know, what your future options are going to be. Because I think if your manager or your coworkers say, oh, okay, you know, they might roll their eyes or like, oh, well, you think you're overworked. I worked 90 hours last week. Like, well, let them have that badge. You don't need to compete for that badge anymore. Put down the, you know, wanting to win the crown for being the hardest worker working the most hours. Instead, decide that you want the crown that says, I know the difference between my work day and my home day. Or, you know, I have work-life balance that works for me. Let your goal be to have a fulfilling life outside of work while still being an effective employee. Like you don't have to be the the teacher's pet at work anymore. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I would do. And it again, I say that sort of like, oh yeah, of course, just set some boundaries because for me, that's something that I'm very comfortable with. But it can be so terrifying and feel so vulnerable because you feel like you're putting yourself in a position where people can get mad at you, where things can be, you know, you can be seen as not being ambitious or not being hardworking because you're willing to set those boundaries. And you have to be okay with that. I would say the only other one quick tip to lose workplace burnout that I would, that I would propose is like really getting clear about your own communication style. And that this is where I think things like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram can really come be helpful in helping you learn more about ways that other people can effectively communicate with you. The times when I've really appreciated things like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, and you know, we have talked in the past about how they can be really overdone and they can really pigeonhole people. But the things that I do appreciate about knowing those you know, those labels of myself is that they've helped me learn what communication things I just assume that everyone wants or needs or uses only to realize that maybe this is something that's specific to like people with a similar personality type to me. And so if you don't know any of those labels for yourself, it might be helpful to figure them out and learn more about how you receive and give effective communication so that you can be aware of that. Yeah. And I think if you're not meeting with your manager regularly, these are things, and especially if it's not a great work environment, maybe you're not, maybe your manager isn't communicating with you at all. But if you're having frequent meetings with your manager, these are things that you should be talking about with that person. So it's not just kind of coming out of nowhere. But if you're not in a position where that happens, then yeah, it may feel scary to have this conversation all of a sudden, if you're like, by the way, these are some boundaries. But I think there's no risk in advocating to say, hey, I really want to do a good job here. But these are the things that I I'm considering changing. Let's talk about it. So it's not like you're just kind of ordering <laughs> this is what I need. These are my demands. Because it can kind of feel that way when you're asking for what you need. But I think it's important. And I think do not, if you can help it, don't do it on an email. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on this journey of professional development. Professional development by Joy <laughs> and, and Claire. Professional development, professional, what's that word? Still when trying you, to figure it out. Yeah, professional, not knowing what we're doing. Um, <laughs> we hope you're having a great week. We hope that you're not currently sitting in a job that you hate. Yeah, hopefully. 
hopefully send us your job searching tips. We yeah. will share them. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore joyandclaire.com. If you are ever having a problem streaming one of our episodes through from your favorite podcast app, every once in a while, the feeds just get confused. The internet gets confused. Satellites get out of whack. Who knows what? Every once in a while, if you can't find us for any reason, you can find all of our episodes at joyandclaire.com and you can stream them directly from the website. It's very easy. They're always there. They're posted there first mere moments before iTunes eventually picks them up and then everyone else picks them up. You can always find them there. And the majority of our episodes of our past episodes um, are transcribed up there as well. If you are ever wanting to just read our episodes and imagine our voices in your head. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share our podcast with a friend, leave a review, and we will talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.